All right, we should be live. And this is uh, End Time for Dummies, Lesson Zero. And I got to tell you, I'm excited. I feel like, uh, I feel like I've been in a, a funk since we finished your class. And, you know, it's like, what, I feel, I'm not learning. I'm not learning. We have to study something. So I'm excited about this. So uh, let me uh, tee this up uh, on page five. Uh, for those that are listening along, if uh, you don't have the study guide, you can get that at metatora.com on the resources page. Um, but on page five, I went through Rambam's 13 principles of faith, and we looked at the last three. I believe with perfect faith that God rewards those who keep his commandments and punishes those who transgress him. How would you know that this was true? I didn't realize I'd stumped the class so quickly. <laughs> well, scripture itself bears this out through the stories it contains. Oh, okay, but some um, people don't believe this. So how do you how do you reckon that? It does require faith. Because there are the faith, principles of yeah, faith for a reason. The answer is okay. Clear. Okay. Why does it require faith? Because fundamentally. The rewards and punishments not until the hereafter. Because it hadn't happened right. yet. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. That's the that's the that's the deal, right? So, why would anyone question this? It hadn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. But if, to your point, if we're going to look at the scriptures and only the scriptures to see if that's actually true, then we need to revisit this at the end and say, well, yeah, you know what? I believe with perfect faith that God rewards those who keep his commandments and punishes those who transgress him. We're not going to get into annihilationism in this class and whether or not that punishment is you're gone um, or if it's eternal suffering, I guess is a, is a good word. We're not going to go into that. Mm -hmm. But you may draw some of your, your own conclusions as we go through the scriptures. Second, uh, or actually his 12th, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of Messiah. However long it takes, I will await his coming every day. I see nods. Everybody's nodding. So everybody everybody believes that one? Yeah, you definitely believe that one. I, I like that. Don't think. Um, I'm not so sure about the imminent appearing, but well, we'll I was just talking about that separately. That's exactly where I was going, because we're going to talk about imminence in, in this class. But I question, because I flip-flopped on this three times, and now I'm on the non-evident side, is, is this statement supporting imminence? No, I don't see no. it. Oh, wait a second, wait a second. I don't think Micah knows what imminence is. Micah, what's imminence? See? All right, Josh, You're not talking about, about the what's, book. What's, what's, <laughs> That's eminence. <laughs> yeah. What's eminence? Um, belief that God is, is could come at any time. That he Let's rephrase that to Messiah. Yes, Messiah. Just so that everybody can say on the same sheet yes. of music. Okay, so that Messiah could come imminently. Imin imminently! <laughs> always define a word with itself. Yes. Yeah, could, could come at any moment, right? 
In fact, the dictionary describes this as having nothing prior to it, right? So nothing would have to happen before that event. It could be the next event. So I, I think three guys on this side, we can throw you in there now that you know what it is. I think three guys over there were like, this statement is not supporting eminence. Is that, are you still there? Yeah, no, no? I can right. see how you get there because uh, I, I can act. I can be awaiting his coming personally every day, even if I don't necessarily believe it will happen on that day. So I can be Agreed. living Agreed. as though he's coming. But do you think that's what Rambam meant? I think the most important thing about what Rambam meant, because I think <laughs> Rambam is the type of person who's more about the, the end result, what, what does this do, is that it doesn't really matter. It's a hard thing. If your life is being lived, that Messiah could come back today, Baruch or Hashem. if you believe that he's not coming back today, but you're still living like he could come back today, that's the same thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. You like that? That was how if he is going to come back any day. Exactly. Which is um, how Yeshua describes it in his parables. Yeah, that we would not be ashamed of his coming, right? And would he find any faith on the earth, etc., etc. Yeah, I agree with and, you. And I think that's where he was coming. In my experience, too, um, in dealing with things that you regret later, it's amazing how, um, how long it can be uh, that you can still wish you hadn't done something. So, <laughs> even if he were to come back three and a half years from now, oh, did I say that out loud? Um, there may be things I did today that I still think, oh, yeah. why did I do that? Yeah. There's things I'm thinking 35 years ago, <laughs> why did I do that? Yeah, good. All right, that's good conversation. That's great. Um, let's look at the last one. This is his final one. And I, as I read through Rambam uh, over the past couple of weeks, I just thought it was neat that this was the final, like, the, the what, the layer, the, the, the icing on the cake, if you will, right? This is, this is the primo. I believe with perfect faith that the dead will be brought back to life when God wills it to happen. I don't think you could have said that any more generically. Mm -hmm. And still, yeah, get the, the meat out of it. That's... I agree with that. That's perfect. So, if we go back to the punishing thing, can you punish someone who's dead? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Okay. So, I'm reminded of, uh, let's see, who was the Bible translator? Wycliffe. Wycliffe, they dug up his bones and they threw them, they burned them and threw his, the ashes of his bones in the River Thames. They were very upset, evidently. So is that what you mean, Micah? No, no, that's not punishing. That's not punishing. So after someone dies, how would you punish them? Are we talking about God punishing one or... I think God's but, really. I think God's really the, the key yes. player. Here. Yeah. Well, then yes, no, because spiritually really? he can either spiritually. Oh. In... So that's not physical. So hell is not a place. Hell it's is... just a state of mind. No. No, it's not a state of mind, or no, it's not a physical place. I'm not sure. It's a good answer. <laughs> Josiah, you're you're obviously very talkative tonight, but if you could just share just a little bit. Well. 
Yes, I do agree, partly with Joshua, that we could go to the Lake of Fire. fire Lake of Fire? For eternity. Okay. Do you think that would be physical or spiritual? Well, I think it's kind of confusing because you'd have to be... I, I think you're on the right track if you just say it. I think that's kind of... I really don't know which one it would be, but I think it's alive. You think it's alive? In fact, we have scripture that says that people are thrown alive into the lake of fire. Micah, I saw that hand. I think it's both. It can, it, how it cannot be described is either physical or spiritual. Can you give me some type of spiritual punishment? Can you describe a spiritual punishment? The only type of spiritual punishment would be to forever kill you. To forever kill you. But kill yeah, so is a verb that is in time, which is a one-time event. So, <laughs> And killing would be a physical thing. Oh. Not, not, not being brought back to life. But if you're not brought back to life, can you be physically punished since you're physically dead? No. So yeah. hold that yeah. thought because we're actually going to answer that question. Whether you agree or not is another story. But we are going to answer that question. <laughs> so there is a... Do you believe there's a resurrection, Josiah? Yes. Who gets resurrected? The one who's chosen by the Book of Life. Okay. I think you're going to... There's actually a spot in the last chapter that asks... You don't have to look at it now, but it asks, did you learn anything new? So I think you're going to find that we've got two different resurrections. Pretty cool. Just make a note now, and we'll come back to it later. But there does seem to be an interesting state described in Isaiah 66 that is... As best as I can describe it, almost seems to be a conscious death. Okay. The, the the description does not seem to be. Put it this way, Isaiah, the Isaiah, Well, it's what's both. I think it's physical, but spiritual. I don't know if I really like that term so much because I don't know exactly how to define it. I think more emotional anguish almost is how it's described. As this. But emotional anguish is a. Is a, is a portion of the physical... It's partly physical, but I think it goes beyond that. But either way, we can well, get it Mental! Out. Okay, fine. Right? The point is that, like... It's still a physical... If you think thing. about, um... If you think about the, uh... Isaiah 66 description of people outside the city who are... The worm dieth not is actually a, re right. a re right. quote from right. Isaiah 66, which right. he uses. Um, seems to be this um, kind of unusual hybrid state between life and death. In other words, the point that I'm getting at is all the people who say, well, I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to party with my friends, that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think if you're talking about a physical punishment that would normally cause death, that doesn't cause death, there's got to be something that has changed. Right. Although, but then to make it even worse, the implication from Isaiah 66 is that the experience is almost like a never-ending dying right. experience. Because but you never die. The, 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 
or it's not finished. I don't know exactly how to define it. It's very difficult to define. I hope you read that passage. If you don't, then you should, you know, when we'll your spare time. If we don't. We have, we have <laughs> step in there, because it's a, it's a very interesting way of looking at it. That's right. So, we do, yes, sir. And very mystical. It is. You sure? Are we on the comments of resurrection? No, 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 I can't hear you. Are we still on the, are we still doing the uh, resurrection song? We may do that later. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Well, there are only two different resurrections. There is one resurrection in the Book of Life where God resurrects the people who he knows were going to go to New Jerusalem. And then there's a resurrection where he resurrects all the dead who he deems unworthy and sends to So you've actually answered my question, Mark. How does one physically punish someone who's dead? <clears throat> Answer, you raise them from the dead so that they're alive again. And now you've got a worm eating away at them that never dies. Sounds unpleasant. I'd like to avoid it. You probably should too. Good. We're going to get back to that. There's a lot of eating in Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it is, you know, like you brought up in your class with the birds. Which feast do you want to go to, right? Yeah. Okay. So lesson zero, the overview on page seven is, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, I'd like, uh, for those that don't uh, necessarily have the uh, um, study guide in front of them, I'd like us to read this. One, two, three, four, five, six. We've got six paragraphs, and we've got six guys on soft chair. So uh, we can do that. Uh, we'll read through that. And then uh, if you're not reading, why don't you grab your Bible, if you would. Uh, I'd like us to walk through all of those uh, footnotes out loud and just kind of read those texts. Because these, I believe, are fundamental to our, our start the concept here that we can't really start from nothing. We have to have some fundamental basis with which to study that we believe that the Bible is God's word, that it is true, it is inerrant, it is infallible, and so on. Uh, we also need to have some type of framework in which to uh, build our timelines here um, because we're not, we're not going to get into some nitty-gritty details. That may be a follow-up class, and uh, we can, uh, pardon me, task, uh, task one of us to, to make notes of those, but that's, uh, that's definitely a different, uh, different animal. All right? So, uh, Alex, you got that there? We're in Lesson Zero Overview. Yes, sir. The first, first that, that first paragraph there, and then uh, Josiah, you can grab the second one, and... Uh, We'll keep moving. Sure. The Bible describes two people groups, Jews and Joes. Salvation is from the Jews, and Jews come first. The Bible also describes the history of mankind from the start to its finish. This is one of the only ways that the God of Abraham identifies himself as God. He knows the end from the beginning. In general terms, mankind's history has gone this way. Alright, so let's hold right there and take a look at those references. Anybody got uh, John 4.22? You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Bam! Something to write down. Number 5 is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Anybody? 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Nice. Franklin Graham's favorite line. And then uh, a lot of people don't realize this, uh, this quote from Isaiah 46, uh, 8 through 11, about uh, God using prophecy to prove that he is God. You got that one? Working on it. Just give me this. Proof that God's prophecy works to prove he's God is that those who don't like the idea that he's God go out of their way to reinvent when these books were written. That's exactly right. Oh, no, 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 no. no it was written after, after that. that. Yeah. Which I have to say is lame. Yeah. Who... I mean, can you imagine if, like, if I wrote about, you know what's going to happen in 2012? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Who would read that? Who would read that? Who would get, why would it be preserved? Yeah. Okay. You sure you got it now? Yes. And we can, we can dilly dally a little longer. It took me a minute, the Bible minute to load. Got it. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. So in there you've got uh, an omnipotent, omniscient God. And... I think so far it's been pretty good. I'm, I, I'd give him at least an A. Maybe an A minus every now and then, but uh, you know, overall. I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Next paragraph. Josiah, you want to do that? Thank you. God created the heavens and the earth. God gave man a single command, which man violated. God fixed a problem of, fit, of sin and disobedience by taking a righteous one from among men to satisfy the law. This is the righteous Messiah of Israel, Yeshua HaTzadik, Jesus, the righteous one. Nice. I don't know if anybody can get uh, Bavli Berachot 62b. Um, if you can, I can bring it up. But uh, that would be that would be pretty long. Not the whole. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'd like the whole folio, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that in the Hebrew. <laughs> okay, so uh, can somebody give us all three of those Genesis things? I mean, this this is fundamental, right? Mm. To what we've <clears throat> absolutely fundamental numbers seven, eight, and nine. Anybody got that? Numbers? Is it, you said numbers or Genesis? Which one? Uh, it is footnotes <laughs> seven, eight, oh. and nine. Anybody? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. I've got that. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Is that the one? Nope. No, that's, that, yeah, that's part of the problem, yeah.
yeah. in 3.11, which is yes. the next one. Yes. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Talmud Barachot 62b in the Bavli. Rabbi Elazar said, the Holy One, blessed is he, said to the angel of death, take for me a great one, a Rav, among them, through whose death many sins can be expiated. So, all of that to say, that we have a righteous one in, wait, I skipped one, right? To satisfy the law. Ezekiel 18, anybody? Verse 4. 4 and 20. Okay. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Now 20. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child who will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteous of the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous will be created to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Do you need Romans? I don't. Um, but I'll take it. Romans 3, 25 and 26. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his for divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Yeshua. Amen. All right. And then finally, Ezekiel 18, uh, I beg your pardon, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Am I eligible to read that? You are eligible to read that. Wait a minute. Are you a man? Yes. Are you sitting on the couch? Yes. Go ahead. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yes. There it is. So uh, we may digress some from some of the Orthodox perspectives uh, on original sin and so on, but uh, uh, certainly the scripture bears this out. So, uh, Joshua, you want to read that uh, third paragraph? Sure. He was sacrificed before the foundation of the world, thus allowing his righteousness to be imputed to those on the earth before his physical sacrifice in 30 CE. After his resurrection and ascension, the apostles were told that he would return in the same manner in which he left. Those faithful to the God of Abraham await the coming of his Messiah. If you are raised in the church, this should be old hat for you. If you're new to this, check the footnotes. And I'm just assuming everyone's new to this, so we're doing all the footnotes. All right, 13 is, wow. Some guy sat up all night finding these references. Mm -hmm. Revelation 5, 9, 13, 8. Anybody? Who's the Revelation guy? Yes. Man, look at him. You, you got right yeah, We see you in the back of the book. Yeah. Give him a chance, Joshua, because he's doing it manually. He, he rarely does it. Went, went to the maps. <laughs> yeah, 5 9. 
And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Nice. 13.8. 13.8. It's before the Mass. Yes. All who dwell on earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Slain one? Before the foundation of the world. Nice. Yeah. So, Micah, how did that happen? Was that physical? Hmm. Hold that thought, Micah. You'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that. Yep, that might take weeks for you. <laughs> Matthew 25, 34, Joshua. Yep. What's, what's the matter? The phone's too small? No. It's slow. Someone's not on the Wi-Fi. Are you on the Wi-Fi? Yeah. You're on the Wi-Fi and it's no. still loading. Is that an iPhone 2? <laughs> Someone else wants to grab it. I'll try and get the next. Anybody got Matthew 25, 34? No? Do I? Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Bam! I like it. Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 9. Oh, I got a thumbs up. Go, baby. For we who have believed, for we who have believed, enter that rest, as he said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Three more pages, 926. For then he would have, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages, to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. Nice. These are cool verses. All right, what do you got over there, man? You got Psalm? Yes, I did. Psalm 22, 30 and 31. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to the people yet unborn, he has done it. Nice. So what was... Established from the foundation of the earth was consummated and he has done it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Matthew 20, 28. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. These are great verses. I, I think you should memorize all these, Josiah. I mean, this is just really great. I would start with the Talmud 62b thing, but uh, <laughs> anyway, your dad would probably differ there. You got Hebrews or is that Bible work? I've got Peter. Of course you do. Matthew 20, 28. How about 1 Peter 2 24? Uh -huh. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Nice. Okay, reading the coming of Messiah. Oh, we missed one. Oh, Santa, which he left. Matthew 26, 64, and Acts 1, 11. Okay. Wow, cool. Yeshua said to him, You have said so, 
But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Acts one eleven, Men of Galilee, why do you stare off? Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Nice. Thank you, sir. Well done. And then uh, footnote 16 would bring us to uh, several verses in Matthew, but uh, Daniel 7, which is uh, in your homework for next week. You have Daniel 7? I think we have why Joshua's internet's not working. Why? Because your Wi-Fi is down. Now, does that mean we're not recording? Tell me that's not true. I don't know. Not again. <laughs> the residence. The residence. Yeah. We're still going at the residence. I have no residence. Well, I'm on the lab, so. <laughs> yeah. I see a blue light over there. Really, there's no. Uh... Let's see which one they are. Mine is still working. Okay. The president's guests. Right? Yes, the residence guests. Yeah. yeah. If you're just on the residence and you're on the old one, then you gotta get on the residence. Well, so I, I missed that memo. When, when did well, that go out? When you weren't here. <laughs> Password? The pharmacy. Oh, yeah. Let's not let me listen. Pharmacy. Yeah. One word. Pharmacy with an F. Yeah. Well, did you fix that? Next Tuesday, we'll have a new password. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we have... Uh, Daniel 7. Yeah, Daniel 7, 13. Do you have that? Mm -hmm. Oh, let's hear, let's hear it robustly. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. We're going to be doing that one next week. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Who, uh, who's got Matthew 10, 23? Joshua, surely that thing's working now. It's, just give me a second. Uh, it's, now it's a thumb for Matthew 10, 23. 10, 23. 10, 23. Got it. Josiah, you get 16, 27. Go. When they persecute you in one time, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That's an interesting mm. reference. And 1627, sir? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Nice. 2427 is in the midst of the... Uh, Olivet Discourse, and we'll actually be uh, looking at this in our second to last. That would be in our uh, eighth or ninth class. I think eighth. Who's got that one? You got that one too? What if You've been practicing with that Bible? No. Well, you're doing pretty good. Go ahead. Thanks. Read. For as, a light, for as a lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Where, oh. Now drop 13 verses and go to 44. 24. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Isn't that true? John 4, 25, anybody? 
425. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. How about that? And she was not even a Jew. Since when did lightning start in the east and go in the west? Mm. I'm pretty much sure it's random. Mm. We'll get to that. Mm. People work differently in Israel. Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so the last three verses... The traveling of the storms. The last three references have to do with the fact that world events should not take us by surprise, at least generally. Uh, it taken as a whole or in, a, in large chunks. And I really think that that's the focus for this study, is that we may disagree on whether the master is going to have a name tattooed on his right thigh or somebody's going to write it on there with a sharpie. But he is going to come back and there will be a name written on his thigh. We may disagree about who the 144,000 are that are sealed, but I can tell you how many came from each tribe, and so on. But the bottom line is, whatever whatever it is that, that you take away, there should be, I hope, at the end of this class, an, a, an understanding that the God of Abraham provided insight to his people, which I think includes everybody on the couches. I don't know about you yet, but we're working on it. So we should not act like people without hope. We should not be afraid. We should not be ashamed that it's coming and so on. So let's just read these last three and uh, we'll tidy it up. Matthew 24, 25, I thought we had read what we didn't. Mark 13, 23, and 2 Peter 3, 17. I have Mark. You have Mark. Hang until we get a volunteer from Matthew. Go. See, I've told you beforehand. Can you tell me, do you have a red letter Bible? No. Can you tell me who the, the speaker was in that particular reference? If you got to look it up, you're missing something, but go ahead. Just being thorough. He is being thorough. That's good. And Yeshua? It was Yeshua. Yes, it was the uh, it was the Messiah. It was the son of David. He said what? Sure. He said what? Oh, I'm sorry. See, I have told you beforehand. Nice. Mark 3023 parallel passage. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Hmm. And then 2 Peter 3.17? Anybody? You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men, and fall from your own steadfastness. Nice. Okay, so here's how, uh, if you've got the uh, study guide in front of you, you can take a look at the table of contents. Basically, what we're going to do is walk through some of the preeminent prophetic passages First, in the Tanakh, we're going to go to Daniel. Then we're going to flip over to Joel. We'll do some really cool stuff in Ezekiel. 
And then we're going to get some quotes from the sages of Israel. Once we've got that under our belt, and these are going to be easy lessons, guys. You just went through a whole year. So it's going to be easy. The, the lessons are short. They get longer as we go on, but they're fairly short. It's not a lot you got to do. I'm not asking you to memorize anything. But you do need to read these passages, and you need to be familiar with what these prophets say. And we'll discuss that when we come in. The idea being that at the end of each lesson, you should be able to take your timeline, and I don't care about timing. All I care about is sequence. What comes first? What comes next? What comes before this versus after that? That's what we're looking for. So as you're reading through, for example, Daniel 7, Scott has provided you at the beginning of the next chapter all things that you should have seen in Daniel 7. He's given you everything you should have found in Daniel 9 as timing markers. So if you've got all of those, then using the text, you should be able to figure out the sequence. What comes first? What comes next? That's it. It's as simple as that. Put it on your timeline, and you're done. We get together, justify what you did. Tell me why you think this is before that or after this. And then as we start getting deeper into it, we'll bring in some news clips and some sayings out in the world and some other things to see, well, how does that jive with what we've just read from this particular prophet? Do we all agree that the prophets that we read in the Tanakh cannot be contradicted by anyone, including the writers of the Bible in the Apostolic Scriptures? If there's a contradiction, we have interpreted incorrectly. After we've gone through the, uh, those main prophets, and uh, we may throw in some, uh, as for the lesson when we get together, uh, we may throw in some other prophets. Zechariah, for example, might come up. Uh, and then we're going to go to Paul's writings, what he said, and then what Peter said. And then finally, we'll get to the Olivet Discourse. That's Matthew 24 and 25. The master was asked two or three questions, and he wouldn't stop talking. So we're going to put all of that together. That's a big lesson. But you're going to have time to rest up before that. After we do the Olivet Discourse, then we've got two lessons by the same person. Who is giving the discourse outside the Temple Mount in Matthew 24 and 25? Who's talking? Yeshua? Yeshua. After that one, we're going to go to Revelation. And it'll be broken down into two lessons. It's pretty long. But you can read quick because we're looking for sequence. Who's doing the talking here? Yeshua. Yeshua's revelation to John. John's just writing it down and eating a book every now and then. <laughs> basically, it's the same person that was speaking that Matthew wrote about. Mm -hmm. So after we, uh, we go through that, we'll have a summary and I think uh, tie it all together and see if we can't put together a really cool chart. I plan to have... Uh, 
a board made up that's about the size of a couch, white paper on it. And we'll see if we can get everybody to just kind of place their stuff together. You're going to have to, for that last lesson, come with your timeline. And no, the paper's not big enough for you to put your timeline. Unless you write in one of those little teeny weeny little fonts. And I'm not going to be able to read it anyway. So write bigger. And that's what we'll finish up with a layout of the sequence. And once we've got that laid out, we're going to ask ourselves some questions about theology, about Rambam, and find out, is it possible that this doctrine of imminence is true? Well, why would we believe it? What would lead them to believe that if we know that other things have to happen? Maybe we're wrong and other things don't have to happen. Okay? Questions? Some of this study looks like you designed it so that we had to bring physical copies of part of the study. Your timeline is the only thing you need to bring. And there's a timeline on in every a copy of a timeline in every one except the last one. So if you bring a physical thing, you can. What I would do is just grab a piece of paper, put a line on it, write your stuff. Can just bring that. But if you just want to talk about it, that'll work too. I'll just Make fun of you because you didn't bring the <laughs> Yes, sir. When you mentioned that the eminence could have keep, events, keep in mind that's imminence. Imminence. Yes. The imminence. That's imminence, not imminence. Yes. Imminence. Yes. Has events before before it, which is not does not really make that much sense. Could that be part of the imminence as parts that lead up to the main event so you're kind of like a yeah. essay yeah, yeah. we have an opening then a body sure. then a closing sure i like where you're going yeah so let's take a prize fight right have you seen a prize fight okay so you can picture it here's this big ring it's dark everywhere in the arena filled with thousands of people it's dark everywhere except I where because I, I can't search it was here Thanks for that. <laughs> it's dark everywhere except in the ring. A lot of bright lights. And everybody's chanting and waiting and waiting and waiting. What are they waiting for? Someone to knock the other person out. No, they're not there yet. They're not sir? They're waiting for the fighters to come in. Uh, Would you say that it's imminent that the fighters are going to be there? Yeah. Yes. That means that there's no event that has to happen before they show up. Right? Yes. So, if the announcer has to grab the mic, which is on a rope, by the way, that they pull up out of the way so nobody can sit in the head, he pulls it down, ladies and gentlemen, and he announces the fighters. Is the arrival of the fighters still imminent? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because one fighter has to come in before the other. The challenger will always come first, and then the reigning champion comes in. So, is the arrival of the champion imminent? Yes. Really? Even though he cannot enter the ring until the champion oh. comes in. Hmm. See what I mean? Yes. So, back to the essay that you used. It's all just the arrival of the fighters in the ring. Yeah, but there's little pieces parts that make it up. So, could we say that they're... Arrival is imminent if the fight's at 7 and it's 6.30. Sure, they're about to show up. 
in that sense, but literally. Ah. See what I mean? Yeah. Go ahead. And then I got here. Okay, so if people say that they believe that in the New Testament some people have refute, I mean, override what the prophets and the Torah say. Yes, sir. How can they pick and choose? Because by the logic, um, for at least I think some immense theories that I've read, which say that God can come at <coughs> a time, they are refuting that what the prophet and what the New Testament says is true because God specifically says Himself that there are certain events that have to happen in order before that will happen in order before He arrives. According to you, <laughs> I think. But we should be able to demonstrate that by the end of class. The references... Yes, sir. You can finish your thought. No, 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 that's right. I was, I was going to close this out with a, a comment on the references, but preaching to the choir here, brother. I'm with you. I, I, I'm thinking of the, the eminence concept and kind of maybe the, the, the imagery and language that Yeshua uses in his parables about you know, the, the ten virgins and the coming at night and the thief in the night and so on. And it makes me think, um, uh, it's kind of like the, the story of Noah. It's a, he uses that one. I think it's a good example. True. So for 120 years, you could have argued that the flood was imminent. But it took 120 years to get there. Yes. During that time, some guy and his three sons built a really large wooden boat. A random assortment of a variety of animals, most of them male and female, appeared of their own accord to walk up to said boat. At some point along this journey, raindrops started to fall. And those raindrops keep falling. In or in around at the same time that the large door of the boat was closed and all the people were inside. Yes. At any point in this experience, yes. someone watching could say, I think it's going to flood. Yes. But they didn't. And I think the reason Yeshua describes it in such an, with its imminence language, we can of course talk about this deeper later, but yes. it seems to me that it's like if you're not ready all the time, it's like you're not paying attention enough, you're not believing enough in the signs that are occurring to to see them, and then all of a sudden you realize, when it's way too late, right. that you've missed 120 years True. of a guy and his three sons building a boat. Right. But if there are signs that you've missed, then literally it wasn't imminent. But you experienced it as though it was. I'm with you 100%. And I think that, I hope we're going we're gonna to come to that conclusion that imminence is not only a literal event-driven sense, but is also a mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to have that mindset. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, we should not be startled by events because he told us ahead of time. And therefore, we know, well, I know, see, I know that it's not possible that the day of the Lord has occurred because 
There are events that have not happened that I was told by my king would happen. Had the Thessalonians known that or recalled that, and of course that's what Paul's whole argument is to Mm -hmm. them. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. But did you forget what I told you? Mm -hmm. That can't happen till this and this and this and this happens. But he's the same one, to your point, that also says, every day, all day long, you are praying for his coming, expecting him to come right then and there. And that is what motivates us to love one another, to love our brother, to love our enemy. But why would we do it? Well, it's not until tomorrow. Let's, let's chill. <laughs> well, and that's exactly what the parables talk um, about. That's exactly right. And there's the, there's the other uh, virgins, right? The, cool. And the and the guy who says my master's on a long journey, I'm right, right, right. But see, I, and I think that another issue that you run into too is something that you've referenced here is to say that the events that occur, as we'll study here, um, these are not. Uh, it's funny. The events that occur are are not. First off, they're they're not the uh, the supernatural signs type things. Most of them until it starts to get towards right, the very right. end. Yes, you're talking about events that people can explain away a lot of them. But then on top of that. They're all very unpleasant, and I think along that journey, um, if you haven't been told ahead of time, well, if you haven't been spiritually ready, those events will probably be destructive rather than reflective. Faith Mm shaking. So instead of you coming into one of those events and being like, "Oh, what have I been doing?" Well, wake up call. Thank goodness. I think it's going to be more met with horror and and anxiety. Yeah. And a, a lack of ability to to properly put it in perspective. Well, I, I, I agree. And even worse, potentially pushing you away from right. the one who, in an odd way, is trying to use these cataclysmic events or unpleasantnesses to draw you to him. Right. So, I mean, yeah. if you think about, I mean, the young men in this room probably don't remember, but... Um, September 11, 2001. I struggled. I had it in. I had it twice in this in this workbook and took it took both of them. Out. I'm not saying it's an event that was necessarily prophesied. I'm, my point is that's a that is a small taste of how bad things would be later. Yeah. But on that day, for several hours in the morning, I couldn't think straight. Yeah. I was stressed. Yeah. For days after that, you're watching the skies, looking around for stuff. Like I said, I mean. I, you, I wrote what you're saying. I wrote it right in there to say, my goodness, look at this. And that's just the second time in in hundreds of years that we ever had an attack on our soil. Right. And look what it did to our country. Right. Think of some of these other things. It's, it's mm-hmm. extraordinary. Mm-hmm. What do you got? So Final comment. Um, it was two minutes ago when... You were talking about perspective and knowledge of the imminence of God that although in the future sometime that many, many terrible things will happen because we've been told that we should not be surprised or shocked or terrified about these things because we already know we're going to, we already know that they're going to happen. But we should know that certain things, other than all those terrible things, are signs. So instead of people who don't know about those signs, 
and about foretellings of all these other terrible things that are not foretellings of Yeshua's coming, that they would think that this is the end almost every time. Correct. Which I think is where you got the imminence of the coming of Messiah for non-believers. But we would know when because we've been told. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, the uh, one of the things I, I again I put in and took back out uh, was this concept of uh, Y two K. Everybody you know, our age, you know, the world was going to come to an end. Every computer was going to stop. I made a lot of money changing all the code on a lot of computers because they thought the whole world is just going to everything's going to come to a crawl. And back in the dark ages, people are going to die. Air conditioner won't work. It can't work. It can't work. As soon as January 1, 2000 hits, the air conditioner will stop. Lights can't come on. The electric thing, all, all the old software that's running energy could never work. <laughs> all that stuff. Why? Because the computers that had been built um, had a date structure that started on uh, January 1st, 1980. It was a four digits. Yeah. And it, it, was, it wasn't going to be able to handle turning 19 to 20. So instead of going to 2000... That's exactly what would happen. Right. That's exactly... They wouldn't understand. So 1999 would go back to 1. Like the year 1. Instead of 2000, they didn't know how to do that. At least that's what everybody thought. So... There was a lot of people thinking the world was going to end because there would be all kinds of wars and everything. So we're these are the things we want to discuss when we come together. I want to hold our classes to an hour so you guys can get home early. You know, 7.30, 8.30, nice and easy. Get back to the kids. The whole deal should be nice. This should be a very pleasant class for 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. However, it will not be pleasant. You will not be pleased if you do not do your homework, especially you. So, do your homework. Let's make this work. I am excited. And the last thing I would point out is if you go back to that page that we read on the overview, how, how many, what do you have? 17 footnotes. And several of them had three or four references. I wrote one short paragraph about the sacrifice of the Messiah of God. One short paragraph. And we read references for nearly an hour. We're talking now about prophetic pages of prophecy about what will happen. And they're pages long. And you're going to read just what I tell you to read. And you're going to be looking at the scriptures like you've got these little tiny binoculars on, and you're only going to see what I'm telling you to look at. And you need to recognize that in a single small paragraph about the death of the Messiah, the sacrifice of our Master, you had all those references. And if you noticed, they were from all over the Bible, Tanakh as well as the Apostolic Scriptures. This is the magnitude. This is the problem with studying this topic, which is why Scott and I just, you know, 
The last time he and I sat down to study this, it took seven years to finish. I'm not exaggerating. It was seven years long. We're going to do this in 10 weeks. It'll be a nice... But you need to feel free to try and read as much as I give you in context. If I got you reading just chapter 3, you might want to read 2, 3, and 4. Just for grins. Make sure we're not taking anything out of context, okay? We're good there? At least five, maybe four, of these classes will be led by that man, not moi, so that I can participate as well. All right, Scott. You want to pray? Sure. Please do, sir. Father, we're thankful for uh, uh, the fact that you've given us your word to study and uh, the, the journey we're about to embark on as we look at uh, what you've given us to understand and learn about the end times. Mm -hmm. We're thankful that you are the only one who can know the beginning from the end and who, uh, uh, who authored all of it. Uh, Father, find us diligent to uh, spend time in your word to study and to be uh, prepared to come and have a good time discussing with each other. We pray all these things in the name of Yeshua, our risen Messiah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man.